are back here at Emerald Scientific on day one. And man, we have had, Destiny, have we had an amazing group of people so far? Dude, my brain is full of new information. It, it, I consider it one of them. Dimitri Downing, again with Destiny, Destiny Blanco. Blanco. And we are here hosting some of the great minds and uh, interviewing them at Emerald Scientific. And, and it's uh, our pleasure and, and our honor to be here. And we thank MJ Biz uh, for letting us be here. And uh, it, it is amazing how much we learn talking to people. You know, it is absolutely amazing. And right now, our next guest is Wes Burke, the president and CEO of Emerald Scientific. That's right. Nice Thanks to meet you. Me. Yeah, nice oh. to meet you too. I'm really glad to be here. Thank nice you. to meet you. And and so this gets the confusion out of the way because we haven't explained this. Emerald Scientific is owned by Emerald. Yeah. <laughs> which so gets, this is the weird part. Emerald Scientific is a, a distribution company. So we sell technical products, um, scientific equipment and supplies into the cannabis space. And we started that in 2013. When we started Emerald Scientific, um, the, the major problem that we set out to solve was access to high quality scientific products for analytical laboratories. So for the, the quality assurance testing. Mm -hmm. And um, they were really struggling. The, the large suppliers of those kinds of products would not sell to cannabis testing labs in the early days. So we we were born out of the need to bridge that gap between labs and quality scientific equipment and supplies. Mm -hmm. In 2013, when we started, we realized that in addition to needing access to these products, there was a vacuum around information and collaboration relative to current science in the cannabis space. So there were some really great conferences. I mean, MJ Biz was already up and running their, yeah. their big, you know, business-to-business -business show, but um, that's a very broad show. Um, it caters to um, a diverse audience, Everybody. wide wide group of players, but nowhere um, yet had really emerged a science-specific or science-focused um, venue for collaboration and sharing current sciences. So mm -hmm. Emerald Scientific founded the Emerald Conference. Okay. And that's how this got started. So our first Emerald Conference. You just, you just made things worse for me. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're going to get there. Emerald Scientific founded the Emerald Conference, which I refer to as the Emerald Scientific Conference. <laughs> that's just me. So Emerald Scientific founded the Emerald Conference, which has now been sold to Emerald. It's been sold <laughs> to it was sold to MJ Biz, and then a company that doesn't have anything to do with Emerald Scientific that's been around, frankly, much longer than we have, came and and bought MJ Biz, and that um, company happens to be Emerald. <laughs> so yes, like it's gotten big, confusing. <laughs> it's it's really interesting when when we first saw um, news about the transaction between Emerald and MJ Biz. Um, uh, of course, our the hair on the back of our neck stood up. We thought, what the heck is going on here? But yeah, we learned that these guys um, uh, have been around for a, a very long time in the in the media game, and um, we have come to very much respect them and what they do in the space. So I know it makes it challenging from a nomenclature standpoint, but um, it it doesn't offend us. It, it, the yeah. more that people use the the term Emerald Scientific, the the better for us. Yeah, the bigger people are, are noticing your name. People sure. Are, you know, like I, I saw you and I said, hey. Yeah. So you're dude running the show. Yeah. <laughs> so the Emerald Conference is still going and it's great, great content. Some great individuals. All right, so that Emerald Conference is going uh, and it's owned by MJ Biz, which is owned by Emerald. That's okay. Emerald Scientific, the company 
Is that still around? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's always kind of been our core business. I mean, when we first started, we did we did three things. So the core business, which is the distribution of products, and then the Emerald Conference. And then the third kind of tier of the stool or the third leg of the stool for us is the Emerald Test, which is a proficiency test, which serves the cannabis testing industry. And it's, um, it's required both from a regulatory standpoint as well as an accreditation standpoint standpoint for laboratories to participate in a proficiency test and so we started that in 2014 as well and and that's still going strong so now we operate the emerald test we do it through emerald scientific emerald scientific um and we sell just about everything you can imagine that mm-hmm. a lab, whether it's a quality assurance lab or an extraction lab, would use to operate right down mm-hmm. to gloves um mats um it's like a, know, start, a startup company could reach out to you and basically get everything they need. Yeah, a lot of labs, uh, quality assurance labs or extraction labs, when they first get into business, they come to us and we help build their lab from, from the ground up. So everything that a lab might need from equipment right down to the daily supplies and consumables, we, we offer all of that. We've got about 20,000 SKUs available on our website with access to a, uh, well over a million through the vendors that we work with some of the big big players in in science um uh, across all industries like Millport sigma or you know they're a vendor of ours so was emerald scientific servicing the cannabis industry prior to when did it start when did we started in in 2013 to to bridge this gap between okay. cannabis testing labs and access to the types of products that they need to operate and we oh, so, so you happened to be in in that space and you saw the need well we we weren't in the space we saw the need and we started a distribution company specifically for the cannabis industry because wow. of this challenge of of lack of access to to quality products right what were you distributing at the time you know what we really needed and this was an interesting kind of uh chicken and egg situation for us because Vendors um, typically don't like to work with distributors until the distributor distributor has a, a client base. Mm-hmm. But it's very difficult to get a client base if you don't have anything to sell. Right. So our our situation was unique because many of the manufacturers of these products saw the opportunity in cannabis, but many of them are publicly traded companies, and mm-hmm. they weren't. Um, comfortable interfacing directly with the cannabis industry. So to insert a third party in the middle that they could deal with that was not plant touching and then can distribute those products to the plant touching labs was something that they were quite interested in because it was pretty obvious that the cannabis industry was going to take off. So mm-hmm. we established vendor relationships, you know, in, in early late 13 and early 14, built a small product portfolio um, largely around reference materials. So um, it's it's kind of a, it's complex. It has to do with chromatography, but basically there are chemicals that you need to do quality assurance or analytical testing um, on anything, whether it's petrochemical, pharmaceutical, food, and um, access to those particular reference materials and reference standards was, was the the kind of the foundation that's the first product line that we built to give access to um, testing labs, uh, which empowered them to to do things like potency testing in the early days. And what, what is your how do you how do you 
How do you find out about this? Stuff? What's your background? You said you were in real estate. I did a little real estate. I don't know this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I you had know? the good fortune of, of having a really close friend who's a serial entrepreneur. Um, okay. His name is Ken Snoke, and he came out of um, biotech and immunology. So he was a lab rat. He worked in the lab for many, many years and, and right. understood um, all of these things that I had no clue about. Right. Um, he and I... He. He it's and all about I, who you hang out with, Destiny. Yeah, yeah, it's all about your yeah. environment, the people you, you love yourself with. It, it I really got the is. wrong friends. And and we we had a close friendship, I'm and, a good and friend. he had seen uh, he had seen some success that I had gained in um, in building a you know a real estate organization, a brokerage organization on the Central Coast, and so I think he yeah. he thought that from he that he could bring the technical um, knowledge and expertise, and that that I might be a good um, general business partner. And, and I like to think that it worked out. Yeah, no, look at you, look at you today. I yeah, mean, we're doing okay. And, and is he still working with you? He he is. He's um, like I said, he's a serial entrepreneur. So yeah. about a year and a half ago, he went and started another company um, in cannabis. No, um, he's he's gotten into uh, drones, payload drones. So completely oh, yeah. different industry. That's lucrative. Okay, write this down. Okay, payload drones. We're doing some research on Monday. We don't have to talk about payload drones, but he just gave us a little tip. <laughs> so, no, that's great. Um, so, your day to day, day to day, you're running Emerald Scientific. That's your focus. That's correct. Yeah. And, and, and do you have any other projects? Or any, I mean, this, this is probably a full time thing enough. I'm just wondering if I, I don't want to leave anything out that you're got that's coming exciting on the horizon or. No, I mean we we try to stay involved. You know, we um, we participate in in the Emerald Conference still, and um, I serve on the California Cannabis Industry Association, mm, CCIA. And, yeah, I've been on the you like them the Quality Assurance Committee for for them for a few years now. So, you know, we do our our share of what we think is contributing to the betterment of the of the industry, but. Yeah, we've we've got about thirty employees at Emerald Scientific. We've got sales reps all over the country. We sell all over. We sell materials all over the world. So it certainly keeps me on my toes as as president and CEO. It's it's more than a full time job. And so you, your products are manufactured around the globe, and then they come through you guys. And... Yeah, I mean most of our products. Well, yeah, th that's true. I mean, I started to say most of our products are manufactured in the U.S., but that's not true. I mean, we, a fair number of products. Um, um, the consumable end of our product range is, is made overseas. So, yeah, we've we've enjoyed all the fun that the supply chain challenges of the last few years have presented. So, so you're probably having to figure out how payload drones merges with cannabis. No, That's, I don't spend any time thinking. No, about you don't. That. See, Ooh, wait, I got focused. it. I got it. They could deliver <laughs> cannabis. Right. Well, obviously, well, they, but they <laughs> could. These these drones were the um they're oh the ones that Ken are, are, are Ken's developing they you know they have a few applications um, and agriculture is one of the big ones so um, both for drying crops in areas where um, where crops get you know gain moisture overnight and need to be dried these drones um, they can just fly these down rows with acute precision and just the the wind created by the props of these drones will actually dry trees or, or vines <clears throat> yeah this is this is way over my head Yeah, so that, uh, that <laughs> but it's worth the research i didn't even know that this was happening yeah and the other thing you know you you know and um if you ever travel the um, central valley in california you've seen you know the crop dusting and things like that that goes on with airplanes or helicopters and this is another application for drones, which is, you know, really good for the environment because, frankly, there's so much overspraying when you're using these bigger, um, 
vehicles like helicopters or airplanes. These drones can be very precise. They can um, they can create the the benefit of using these compounds without overspraying and, and without using by using a small fraction of what's actually a. So the reach is this is different than what I was thinking. I mean, the the, the layman, the common man, the simple man thinks payload drones like Amazon kind of stuff, but you're at a whole nother level. A whole nother level, yeah. yeah. So, Ken, you owe me one for plugging your adventure uh, <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. No, no, it's it's all good. I'm actually counting the days until all the cannabis is grown outdoors. So, you brought up something that's really interesting to me about the drones and the and the stuff. So that's so we appreciate learning about drones today. Um, but so, 2013. 2022 that gives you like nine years in cannabis how much longer do you see yourself in the cannabis industry or is well kind of cruising along now no i love this industry um you know it's and it's been quite a roller coaster as you can imagine the first few years we just felt like we were strapped to a rocket i mean we definitely found an unmet need and and we enjoyed a period in in the industry where we didn't really have a lot of direct competition so we were really able to establish a brand and become what you know what we think is um, a partner for our for our customers and clients and we've fallen in love with you know with the industry during all of that um things have changed and and we've experienced ups and downs you know i mean um we're headquartered in california but we operate all over the u.s and so we follow the markets all over the country and one of the things that i i'm sure you guys have have realized that by now is that the the markets are so different as they go through the process of maturation. So the the more mature markets like California and Oregon and Colorado, you know, they went through this boon where money was rap- readily available and there was just, you know, the it was the growth curve was a, a vertical line. And um and it runs that way for a couple of years in new markets. I mean, we're seeing some of that in in the East now. I mean, mm-hmm. New York, New Jersey, some yeah. of those markets are just taking off, and it, it seems like nobody can do wrong. Everybody's trying to put a flag in the ground, and it and it seems easy. But as the market matures, you you start to see consolidation, and you start to see some of the challenges that are occurring in in right. states like California right now. So we're suffering some pretty intense consequences of overregulation, bad regulation, overtaxation, and what I never thought would happen is now we're seeing the the black market um, or illicit market thrive uh, again due to all of the pressure that's put on the licit market or the mm-hmm. legitimate market. And that's uh, something that I, that I hope, you know, some of these states that are newer to legalization can, can take note of and try to avoid some of the, the pitfalls. But you know, it's, it's fascinating because you bring up, sorry, did you have a question? I was, no, I don't. So, um, you know, it reminds me how many dissertations will be written about the economics and the business of cannabis. Oh yeah. Because of these so these nuances, these intrastate nuances, the plant touching nuances. You know, and as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, there's people being asked to invest in these large scale cultivations in New York and New Jersey and with, you know, ten million, fifty million dollars. And federal legalization is gonna change everything. And no one knows how it's gonna change, but yet the money still comes in for those one to two years. And it almost seems like foolish money, but these are things that no, even even extremely well educated businessman like yourself, there's no real answers to. 
it's complicated. It is complicated, and and there's a lot of unknown out there. I mean, you bring up a great point. You know, federal legalization. We we don't know when it's going to happen. I think we all believe it will happen eventually. I think the the potential for the tax benefit is going to eventually become too much to resist for the federal government. But it's going to change. Uh, it'll change everything. Interstate commerce will you know, really help the industry balance out some of the supply and demand challenges that we're faced with now. You've got, you know, states in certain regions with a lack of supply and other states with um, a radical overabundance of supply, which is, you know, killing the, the value of the commodity. And so we'd love to see, you know, a, a federal framework, even if it's not full legalization, if, if, if we could get to a point where interstate commerce was allowed, if we can, you know, get um, a, a more sensible tax code if we can get rid of 280e so 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 some of these you know folks that are doing fantastic business um get to compete on a a more level playing ground with other industries you know it's just uh, it's it's a little little insane right now what what it takes to succeed in the cannabis industry you know it's absolutely amazing and it's it's good i'm 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 glad that it seems like you're kind of neutral on the subject you know you're just kind of open-minded kind of looking like high hovering high above it with lots of uh, uh, years of experience and thought. I, I meet a lot of people who are concerned about their investment or their license. You know, sure. I have, this is my little niche. This is my c- control of the supply chain in this intrastate pl- plant touching market. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let anybody touch it and I'm going to lobby against it. And it's like, how is that all going to, you know, come about and what it means is, is just anybody's guess. No, but I understand, I, I can understand the perspective, you know, you know? It, it's, it's interesting. I think when, when, when the cannabis industry was young, a lot of us thought, well, this is going to be fantastic. It's a brand new industry and it's going to give the, the small guys, the mom and pops, the opportunity to compete with the bigger players because we have these, you know, state by state frameworks. And I think to some degree that that's come to fruition. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing it change, though, in in these states that struggle, you know, with oversupply. I mean, in California, the cultivators are just really struggling because the price of the commodity has come down yeah. so low that they can hardly pr- produce it for a profit at these, you know, mm-hmm. at the current prices. So, yeah, I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's a very complex industry. But at the end of the day, um, what my 10 years in the industry has taught me is that this plant is medicine. Right. And... This, um, it's not just medicine for consumers, it's medicine for the planet. Mm -hmm. And I believe that with all my heart. And I've seen story after story after story where this, this plan has had radically positive impacts on people's lives. And we know that maturation of this market is going to continue to reveal more that this plant has to to offer both to consumers as medicine and 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 to the overall health of the planet so we're pretty excited about that i know that you spoke with jeff keller today i think what he's doing is really fast professor keller yes yes it's like miss jackson if you're nasty you call him professor keller he's um he's built a a lab that will do contract um preclinical study and you know that's one of the things that we lack in in the cannabis space we've got thousands of years of use safety data so we know that it's pretty safe to roll this stuff up and smoke it mm-hmm. but we don't really have the the clinical work so preclinical right. and clinical work to really understand how and where this plant can have the most impact and I, and we're starting to see things like with mcrea which i i walked by and heard you guys talking a bit about that the new regulation and 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 how that is is meant to help um, inspire and expedite um, 
clinical study of of cannabis and and the potential impacts and you know what what jeff is doing is a great first step to give access to preclinical work um to to the small guys because you know that the drug development path typically is about a 250 million dollar process and more times that um that 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 experiment fails and doesn't render a viable drug so what Jeff is doing is is creating the opportunity for people to look at the at cannabinoids specific to 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 you know to to issues or ailments. So he he's got um he's got models where he can look at things like anxiety, look at things like uh, sleep aid and take formulations and and give feedback about the potential efficacy at least in vitro in preclinical models. And this is going to inform um what this plant is capable of and inspire the next steps along the the clinical and drug development process and i think all of this is really good and what i really love about what he's doing is it gives it gives manufacturers who are already making a product let's say you you you're making a gummy and you've got cbn in it and most of the people most of your clients tell you hey this stuff helps me sleep great well that's anecdotal, but you can contract with with somebody like Jeff now. You can do preclinical work and actually prove, prove scientifically that it's working in vitro, and then you can start to tell people. You know, we 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 got anecdotal evidence that this helps sleep. Now we have evidence in cell culture that demonstrates how or why this should be working to improve your sleep, and we just get further further towards legitimacy, which I think yeah. is what we really all want. It literally is. Mr. Professor Keller is like literally doing next level stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but that always interests me too, because, uh, you know, I didn't know much about substances or biology or substance use before I start, came to the cannabis industry in 2012. And I was a prosecutor, government relations, regulatory specialist, policy, et cetera. And my first question was, okay, 2012, it's all medical. This is pre-Colorado. Um, so... It's medical marijuana, so it's a medicine. Okay, cool. Well, so these hippies found a politically viable way to get high. Is that what's going on here? That that was my attitude. Sure. Then I came in. My brother got some dispensaries in Arizona, and we started to study the plant. I started to study the community, started the industry. I started hanging out with the guys from Normal. Started hanging out with the guys from MPP. Yeah. Started hanging out with all these organizations that really understood the community and the history and prohibition and the plant as a medicine, et cetera. And, you know, I realized, really realized there was two paths. There was the medicinal path and the recreational path. And perhaps all recreation is medication, which is another way of looking at things. Uh, but so, it, you know, it, this whole 10 years has been a giant study for me in substance use, mm-hmm. substance abuse, sure. substance availability, and the proper role of the government. Yeah. You know, and, and these things, any astute individual watches these things, learns about these things, and it's still going on. And the, the story is being told, and we do not know what the end is going to look like. That's true. And yeah, it's, it's exciting, though. It, 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 it's still being written. It is such a privilege. For, I, I consider it such a privilege for myself as a, I'm still a common man, a simple man. I don't understand everything. But to be involved and to have my mind on this topic, on this subject, in this industry, in this community, with the people meeting all the people, understanding all the changes and having the privilege and responsibility and time to think about 
questions like this. Sure. So, but the, the, um, and my point of the whole, the whole thing is I realized that after all these years, you know, we rely on aspirin. We rely on Tylenol to be a medicine. It's tested. They tested consistent. It does this. It does this. It does this. But yet you give it to three people and it's going to do something different. And nobody reflects on that. It's true. No, you know? it's, it's a and, great and observation. Cannabis will always be that way as well. Yeah, I think maybe even more than than your typical single compound yeah. drugs. How much time, effort, money, research, testing da, 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 has gone into Tylenol? Oh yeah, and and you know, I mean, and how do you measure? You know, oh, I, I'm feeling the buzz of a Tylenol thing. I mean, what does that mean? Right. You know, it's just a wild world. But it's it's certainly been a great uh, adventure myself, and I can tell for you as well. Because uh, you are clearly a person who's who's reflecting on things a lot, and I can tell that it's been a good adventure for you. It has been. It's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to you know another ten years. Yeah. No, I look forward to seeing what you're doing. I mean, Emerald Scientific is great. You know, people should check out the website, but that doesn't touch the the whole cannabis ecosphere. It's true. Yeah. It's I mean, a sliver. We're, we're pretty focused on on a sliver. Yeah. Yeah. The, the but, lab space and scientific. Um, products you know which you know is research also but yeah it's uh, it is like you said it's a sliver yeah. but i can see like the, the origins of emerald the conference came out of emerald scientific not just because of your interest in conference i mean the interest probably because you're more of like a ecosphere community guy you yeah know, like a big picture guy so there's some big picture thing coming out of you next i don't know what it is <laughs> but i can feel it can you feel it too well there's yeah, something I mean, there you know col- collaboration is is kind of key for us i mean yeah. it's 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 always been um key in, in the success for me in my life and everything that i've ever done and the the emerald conference was born out of the need for a collaborative platform for these folks that are the brightest minds in science that are focused on cannabis. And we've had countless um, scientists. There's one standing right over there, Marcus Rogan, that... um, Oh, wait, we're supposed to interview him. Yeah, he's he's next on our schedule. Oh, yeah, let's get Marcus. He's talked to us about prior to um, coming to the Emerald Conference, really feeling lost and lonely in the cannabis space because, you know, he's, he's one of the brightest science minds in the world in any industry and he felt very alone all he knew that the work good work was being done but he didn't know where to go find the people and talk to the people and the emerald conference was the first place where you know we started to create a venue where those guys could come together and share the work that they were doing and inspire one another and accelerate the work through collaboration so i don't know what's next for for me or for um for us, but I can tell you that collaboration is is key and uh, will always be a part of what we do. Whatever you do next, we want to promote it because I'm sure it's going to turn out well. Great, this I appreciate baby, it. Yeah. He we gave birth have. to this baby. It grew up. He sold the baby. <laughs> yeah. It sounds sold, bad, but it's he normal. He the baby on someone's No, it feels like that. I'm telling yeah. you, to be here, you know, is, is yeah. a strange feeling because it was it was our baby for, for years and, it, and to... To have it married off and yes. and with somebody <laughs> else now. now. Yeah. He married yeah. off the baby. The baby's in good hands. But there's another, there's like a the man. The baby's going to have a baby. Maybe, yeah. Maybe so. We'll I can see. feel something big is coming from you. So, Well, just, I want to tell you guys thanks for what you're doing also. Yeah. I think, you know, having a, a format and a venue to uh, share stories and get the get information out, that's a, that's a real asset to the industry. So It's Definitely. about education. Yeah. It's about access. It's about networking. It's about learning. This is why she's been with me for six years. 
because she's constantly learning. There's this girl so knows much. so much. So much. And, uh, learning more today. Yeah. No, and, and this format gives us a, uh, the, the opportunity to interview people. And as we interview people, as we learn, so does anybody who's out there in the digital sphere learn. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have access to people post-Emerald Conference that they wouldn't have accessed otherwise. Yeah. You know, if we that's did it live, point. then it wouldn't be good for business. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, no, that's a good point. I'll just that's watch them live. <laughs> you know, but so that's a good thing. And, and it's helpful. You put information out there and people do whatever they want with it. So, yeah, yeah. we appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to talking with you in the future. All right. Definitely. Thanks a million. All right, nice to meet you, man. All right. Take care. That was another episode of Meet Unshackled. Shackled.